0: December 30, 2020, it's a lot for Pedro's show.
1: your likeness and I really don't like it when the colors fade or it's said some other way it's understand Say
0: show, happy Wednesday! I think it's the last one of the year. <laughs> we started off with "Spiritual" from John Coltrane, and then a Z after that with "It's Understanding." And uh, yeah, brother Matt is on the pleasure point and Love Grotto because Quentin Quarantino mode. But I'm not totally man alone, good people, because those software engineers in Estonia with the righteous Skype invention. I got Mister Sam Wagster with me. Welcome aboard, Sam.
2: Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: Right, and we got to give credit to Big Stevie Bono for making the connect. Right.
2: Yeah, Stevie B. Yeah. Thanks for making it happen.
0: Absolutely. Now let's talk about your journey through music. Can you give me your earliest musical recollection, Sam?
2: Yeah, I think it was uh, it was probably Splish Splash by Bobby Darin, um, which was the first song I kind of asked my parents to play over and over again when I was a kid. Now, where um, was this? This was in Dallas, um, Dallas, Texas, just okay. north of Dallas. Yeah.
0: Now, in in the pad, so so your folks were they were they players or just listeners?
2: My mom was. She was. Uh, she played piano and she was a church organist growing up. Um, as you know, like in her teens, basically before she went to college, she would she would play the services and she would play uh, she would play like impromptu weddings um like when she was just practicing during the day
0: now in the pad because your mom with the organ and the piano there was one in the living room or something
2: yeah it was like a baldwin uh spin it. and uh you know my sister started playing from an early age but uh i didn't really take lessons until maybe fifth or sixth grade and i took i only took for a year i wasn't that i wasn't that into it um yeah well i know your... i, I Is... wanted to learn to play music but i I didn't really connect with the lessons, you know. Yeah,
0: because we've had a lot of people, and it seems piano lessons. (laughs) Well, it seems it's a lot about the teacher.
2: Yeah, and she was good, but I I just don't think she found a way to, like, uh, make it that engaging. You know, it was pretty pretty dry, you know.
0: Right. Now, what about at school? Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that
2: i was in choir in sixth grade when you kind of had to choose um you know i had i wanted to be an orchestra but i, I didn't quite have enough context for it to really pursue it so I, I just i just went with the choir i had friends in there and it seemed fun to to learn to sing so
0: well there's music and uh so there's the piano there's the voice now what what was the connect with the guitar
2: um i had always been into it and I would, had been drawn to it. And I, as a kid, you know, electric guitar seems like, it just seems like it is so expensive or just so unattainable. But I went to uh, my sister's friend's house for a, a holiday party and her brother had the first electric guitar I ever held or played. And he taught me, uh, Rocky, like a hurricane, which I learned on the spot.
0: Scorpions. And, uh,
2: yeah, yeah, Scorps.
0: <laughs> Scorp. Um, you know they had. I think it was called Entrance. That's a pretty good record. I don't know how. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, yeah it there's a, good, a song uh... called The Robot Man that I really <laughs> like. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Maybe not so much the Hurricane one, but the Robot Man I liked. Yeah,
2: um, yeah, that's a good jam. But,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm um, curious. What was the first record you bought with your own money?
2: It was definitely a Thriller, Michael Jackson. You know yeah. that was just exploding at the time when I was, yeah, yeah. So I was six years old, I guess, um, when it came out.
0: Yeah. One of the uh, reasons I have a sure SM seven, I heard that's, you know, these radio broadcaster. Yeah. yeah. I heard that's what he used. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What about the first gig you went and saw?
2: Uh, it was a pretty trippy one, but my sister, talked my dad into taking uh I was like ten years old and uh she talked my dad into taking us to see Bon Jovi Whoa. at Reunion Arena which is uh you know like where the where the big bands played at the time and uh we got there and our seats were uh behind the stage um <laughs> in like the upper deck so I've we're like there. looking at like the back of their heads and like looking out all at like a sea of people with better seats than us, but it was fun, you know? And then, um, a year later I went and saw David Lee Roth, uh, which was pretty incredible. He, uh, he repelled from the lighting rig to uh, <laughs> enter the stage. This was like during his like mountain climbing phase, I guess, for the skyscraper tour. Yeah. Um, but then the, uh, the first kind of underground gig I saw was Jane's addiction in 1988. I think I was only like 12 years old And uh, I saw them at the Arcadia Theater.
0: Well, I was going to ask you, like, you know, the thing, junior high, high school, with your friends after school, basement band, bedroom band, garage band. Did you do stuff like that?
2: Totally. And I actually have a tape of the first thing I ever wrote with my friends. Um, And we didn't even have, I mean, I had a guitar and my friend Jason was clearly Cut out to be the front man. He was, like, had the personality. I think his voice had already changed, too. Like, you know, we were, like, 12. (laughs) And then my friend Nathan was interested in playing drums but didn't have a kit yet. So he took the rails, like, two rails from a skateboard and was, like, banging on this, like, weight set that I had in my bedroom. And we recorded a song called uh, I Shot the Reaper. It was about uh, a skater who gets chased by death and then somehow overtakes him but it was very much in the like suicidal tendencies uh institutionalized kind of mold with Mom, like
0: i just wanted a pepsi
2: yeah yeah kind of like long spoken <laughs> intro and then it just like erupts into the thrash you know
0: but um <laughs> but i still have that recording which start the pit
2: yeah yeah what, so, what,
0: did this band have a name sam
2: uh yeah it was the first name was mental deficiency which was like kind of a kind of a rip on Suicidal, I guess, you know, in spirit. And um, that was kind of my first band, like uh, Nathan got a drum set and then Jason got a guitar. We didn't have a bass player, but um, that band went on to play uh, the first gig I played, which was uh, at the end of my eighth grade year. Somehow Jason convinced the principal to let us play the last hour of school. And we played like Misfits and Ramones and... Uh, a couple of Jane's Addiction songs, all pretty, pretty uh, sketchy versions of those <laughs> tunes. Well, but, um... well,
0: I shot, <laughs> I shot whatever uh, the Reaper. That was an yeah. original, though, right?
2: Yeah. And that's the first thing we played together. And we we were writing originals the whole time. You know, they're um, very uh, unfocused, but we were at least trying. And, um, you know, that was kind of always a, a focus of, of mine. Like I I learned tunes, but I always wanted to be writing with a band. I never really wanted to be in a cover band. I wanted to make stuff up and and just have fun and do kind of, you know, I don't know, kind of outrageous stuff. Yeah. That was kind of initial draw to the playing.
0: Well, to me, that's the draw to the underground scene that 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 shit was going on. And yeah, not just copying off records. I want to play a ballad of Joe Buck.
3: in a see-through plastic dollar shoebox run laps. Dash, shovels, and sand. Feeding them, he says. Papa catches one and drops into newly six-year-old hands. The tiny crustacean received. We camp on the creek bed, water quietly talking. Sometime, anytime, anyway,
4: way, aside. I sit and I wait
5: sometimes, and then the world does die.
0: Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off with the Moon Brothers doing Ballad of Joe Buck. Then we had P. Kane, brand new from P. Kane, 44. He's one half of model home people out of D.C. Great, great band. His name is Alive. Uh, Ann Arbor, Detroit. Detroit, not Ann Arbor. Stooges are Ann Arbor. <laughs> uh, brand new, uh, his name Alive, Which Marks. Pineapple Empress out of South London with L- Live Some World. That's yeah, hard to know how to pronounce that, huh? Yeah, Spelled yeah. Spelled the same. <laughs> <laughs> Can by voices Bob Pollard with the new album? Again. Always. <laughs> Incredible. When growing was simple, Bomas Prendin with Monster Zero, On Death and Dying from Orthotonics, The Creek Bed by Phil Venable, The Last... The lost record just came out. Vitas fade to black, and finally mute duo with Red Wing Blackbirds. So after metal deficiency, what happened? When well, you get out of high school,
2: right? Well, that was actually after eighth grade. So I got I started high school, and I took a little break um, from playing. And um, you know, my friend went to a different school, and then uh, I kind of got back into playing with uh, that same drummer and a different. Guitar player, and uh, I started playing a little bit of bass in that band. That was my first um, first experience playing bass. Oh wow! What um, kind of bass? What's that? Sorry. What kind? Uh, It was just a PV that he had, um, and he let me borrow it. It's my friend James. Somebody gave me a uh, PV
0: bass in Nashville, and uh, the next gig was in Birmingham, and. There was a band caulked at the pad, the bottle tree, right? So I yeah, thought, yeah. hey, man, you want a bass? So it was the bass they keeps giving. So yeah, what, what did probably. you think about it? Because, you know, the first couple of years I played the guitar, I didn't know they had bigger strings. <laughs> I thought they had yeah. skinnier necks.
2: <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have a ton of context for it until, like, you know, we were trying to learn those Jane's Addiction songs, and it was like not cutting it to do the bass line on a guitar. <laughs> it was like, yeah, this needs to sound a lot heavier.
0: Eric, um, Eric Avery, right? Yeah. Fleet. Yeah. Yeah. Fleet, Fleet told me he's one yeah. of his favorite. He, re- he wrote some really good parts that worked well with Perk's drumming, man.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like very, uh, memorable lines and, and kind of put the bass in the front of the band at times. Yeah. Um, but actually one of the first bass lines I learned was, uh, Brave Captain, which was, a very probably kind Fire of hose. St- yeah, stick figure version of that bass line. But uh, <laughs> that and Waiting Room were kind of the first bass Joe Lally.
0: Joe Lally. He's back. Uh, yeah. He's playing uh, also with Ian. Karike. Uh, they got a band. Yeah,
2: Karike. So, yeah, and the Mesthetics, too. Oh, right, they, right.
0: Right, but I don't think Ian um, McKay's in that. They got the, right. um, I think Brendan, though, the drummer, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. I saw them in Chicago a couple of years ago. It was okay, really great. Okay,
0: so you're back with some of the guys from Mental. What was the name of this band?
2: Uh, it was called Television Skies, which is a okay. Doors lyric, and the drummer was really into the Doors, and he wrote a lot of the lyrics for the band, kind of in the like Neil Peart model of drummer lyricist, but he didn't really sing. Um, but he was really into poetry and, and, and writing, so he was kind of the... Um, he was kind of spearheading that.
0: My my favorite um, uh, Jim Morrison line is just another little lost angel. <laughs> right, City of Lights. It's his yeah, book, yeah. right? About male prostitute shit. Anyway, uh so that that's interesting though, that a drummer driving the band. Yeah, like the rush you know, if you're playing a trio, everybody thinks you're into rush. <laughs> right, right. <laughs>
2: we were like, you we know, were... there's
0: cream and there's Jimi Hendrix, but everybody fucking thinks, and they're nice guys. I got to meet them because uh, Les Claypool liked them, and I was opening up for him. So, okay. But what's it like for a drummer to give the direction, even though he ain't the front man.
2: It was cool because it was kind of a band that was looking for an identity. You know, we are all, each song sounded totally different, you know, um, like we had some really like rocking stuff, and then uh, some like we tried to do some like kind of slower groovy stuff with, you know, what we just kind of called jazz chords at the time because we didn't know what they were, um, but you know, like non power chords basically, like um, trying to like kind of tiptoe into that world. But um,
0: well, how was your, how were you informing your guitar learning?
2: Uh, I was learning stuff off records. I was way into Fugazi at the time and was like trying to learn all those lines. And um, I was also really into R.I.M. kind of from the get go and learned a lot of that stuff early on. Um, um, And yeah, those were kind of the two two things that I was, you know, just like uh, consistently trying to pick off records and trying to get more and more accurate versions of those going. And how long um, does this band last? Uh, just a couple of years. And then, then I started playing with the first band that really gigged um, when I was 15. And uh, that band was called Giraffe and a Half. And that was like a pop punk band. Very like uh, kind of a more like rudimentary descendants. We didn't have anywhere. We were nowhere near that kind of ability. But, um, you know, that kind of spirit. Really melodic songs and really fast.
0: Um, copies, and I was descendants, you know, me and D. Boom put out the first three Desc- Descendant albums.
2: Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah.
0: That's why you're on the show.
2: <laughs> <To learn laughs> <stuff like that.
0: laughs> no, no. The great band. Great guys. Billy. He's up in Fort Collins for a long time now. There's a, actually a movie about them called filmage. And yeah, yeah, he went through some intense struggles with the brain and the heart. Cancer and shit. Oh, man but he just keeps he's a hard charger. Yeah. Hard charger great guy. I, Inspiration. I saw too.
2: them about 5 years ago and they were they were incredible. I mean they were they sounded amazing.
0: So what happens after uh the pop, pop punk?
2: That that band played. That was the first band I ever played out of town with. Like we played at Emo's in Houston and uh some places in Austin, Dallas and uh played the first place that was like kind of the a, a DIY spot in Dallas called Easy Street Theater um where a lot of a lot of touring bands came through and we got to play on some of those bills and then I I kind of wanted to I wanted to you know do a band that was more kind of in the discord touch and go mold um and start writing stuff because I was I was really more of like a a kind of rhythm guitarist you know in this other in the pop punk band Um, And the stuff I was writing on my own was much, I don't know, kind of darker, I guess, and heavier. Um, So I kind of enlisted two other friends and we started a band and it was their first band. So I was trying to share anything I knew about bass and drums. And um, we kind of started from scratch. And uh, the drummer and I from that band kind of played all the way through college. And that was kind of my first um real band that I was a kind of a you know really active participant in
0: and what were they called
2: it's called Wiring Prank
0: Wiring Prank okay and, and we uh, played a lot
2: in uh Denton that was kind of uh, our home base more so than Dallas even because uh the other guys went to school up there so What's a music um, college right Yeah yeah North Texas
0: Right I, I, pl- I played there one time <laughs> I'm I'm playing there and uh, I asked them for a setlist paper, and they gave me like st- paper with s- staff lines. <laughs> <laughs> this is a music school, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, that's great. I, I liked. That. I played a couple times in Denton.
2: Yeah, it's a cool place, and there were a lot of a lot of good bands, and it's just a good scene to to grow up in for sure. And you toured with this band a little bit you know just in texas we never really got outside of texas but we did a lot of recording uh it was one of those bands that was really like changing very rapidly so uh we had you know we had an opportunity to release some stuff but would always can it in favor of the next thing which was kind of a kind of a regret i think we should have just gone ahead and released it but it was just like that time of your playing where you're just growing so fast that you're just kind of shedding ideas you know sure um but um, it, was, it was it was a fun it was a fun band for sure.
0: And from there,
2: from there, I moved to Chicago okay. uh, when I was twenty five with one of the guys from wiring Prank, uh, intending to kind of uh, restart up here with a new rhythm section. We were both the guitar players, and uh, it was an instrumental band at that point. and um, but we were we were writing the material together as kind of these two guitar focused things. And uh we moved up here and then, you know, he lasted about a year and, and decided to move back. Um Yeah,
0: i was to gonna ask girlfriend. you I was gonna ask you what made you choose Chicago?
2: I, I I loved the music coming from here. Um like a lot of my favorite bands were from here and uh I had gotten into jazz and I was like so curious about the jazz scene up here because there was so little of it in Dallas. I mean there's no real scene. You know, there was like an occasional gig but, and but, it would be pretty you, traditional Can I say stuff. something?
0: Can I say something? Next door in Fort Worth was Caravan oh. of Dreams with Ornette.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, there was definitely, there were some shows out there, but it was like, um, like, uh, you know, like an improv scene. It, there wasn't much going on. It was like more traditional stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely saw some, some gigs out there, but Um, yeah. And then I had, I had also had a friend up here who's a playwright and, uh, I had done some music in his plays, um, in Dallas and we were kind of intending to work together. And that's, that's actually kind of what I did for the first few years that I lived in Chicago. I wasn't really playing with other people, um, after my friend Brian moved back to Texas. So, um, I was just like kind of doing these live scores, uh, as, as like a, solo player or with you know a couple of other people like small ensembles but he was really into having live music and and into like putting the players on stage and having it be this thing you know um, sure, so sure.
0: i gotta stop that here was... though because we're at the end of the first hour okay. december 30 2020 dish pedro show special guest sam waxter hold tight for hour two december 30 2020 it's the second hour of the lot for pedro show
6: Cross ties that carry this train But whoever's steering it down the track I reckon they might just be
0: for Pedro Show. We start off the second hour with The Lanterns doing Untitled. Uh, Sam Bennett, Passenger. Don't get me started. Don't get me wrong. From the World Inferno Friendship Society. Vex from the Hysterical Injury. I love that name. <laughs> <laughs> Sassafras with Watching You, but it's not the kiss song. Scott H. Birram, single, single again in Friend Enemy. Love is a shared... Interior. So you're doing. Explain to me the the, the soundtracks you're doing with your buddy.
2: That- so uh, some of it was like just acoustic guitar, um, and then then it was also me with like playing electric and doing loops and layers and stuff. Um, it's doing mostly guitar, a little bit of lap steel. Um, but yeah, kind of it was kind of like my first kind of foray into the more ambient kind of stuff um so you so what, he of, would give
0: you footage to watch and you'd interpret it
2: oh uh, no sorry these were live these were live plays so it was oh, um, okay okay it was on stage and and um yeah like usually I was on stage with the actors because he liked to kind of foreground that element of it um and uh there was you know some of the shows had almost like uh, wall-to-wall score, you know, so it was a lot of like a lot of rehearsing with the actors And it was just like kind of I was just kind of part of that troupe, um,
0: Which was called weather talking a lot, a lot of yeah. preparation weather talking. Okay Now you you said something about lap steel. This is when you first start getting into that
2: I had uh, I had picked one up in Texas and uh, I had, had used it on a couple of a couple of wiring prank songs Initially, I, you know, I I was really into Dirty Three, still am. And it, I was really inspired by those kinds of just like single note melodies. And so I rented a violin. I was like, OK, I'm going to try to learn to play. And I played it for a couple of days. And I, it just seemed so far off. You know, it just seemed like it would take me a decade to be able to play anything. So I, I got a lapse deal as sort of like a surrogate for doing that as a way to like play these longer kind of like melodic lines um, over guitar, you know, but uh, as a way to kind of have those kinds of ideas, um, you know, a, a, as a, as a format for doing that.
0: Yeah. They're tuned in fifths, but it's the legato thing, mm-hmm. right? You want a big stretch out, sustaining Warren, Warren, yeah. Ellis, Warren Ellis, I think. Yeah. I got to play yeah. with them uh, maybe 25 years ago, festival in Australia and, on the days off, I would get to play with them, and then in the days of the festival, we were like the filthy four—really good guys. Nick, oh, awesome. uh awesome. Jim White, drummer man, great cat. Harry Back, <laughs> <a> beautiful. <laughs> yeah, band I got to though.
2: play with Jim Jim once actually. Uh, I was playing with a band called the Cairo Gang, and he sat in on drums for a couple of gigs, which was like a t- true, true thrill. You know, yeah, he's, yeah, he's one of guy. my favorite drummers.
0: Yeah, absolutely, beautiful musician all three yeah. of them and you know Warren is uh Nick Cave's main music guy now Yeah 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 amazing Incredible I, I want to play uh, uh some more of the Lanterns for pedro show yeah T- tell me about the lanterns sam
2: um so that was a band that I, I started with my friend ryan weinstein um it was like a two guitar mostly instrumental we did a little bit of singing um and uh we uh we had uh doug mccombs and johnny herndon um as the rhythm section which ah, was, yeah which was great
0: tortoise guys
2: yeah and I was a huge fan, so that was that was pretty incredible to play with those guys for the first time and uh, Ryan and I had worked up a couple tunes and uh, we played uh, a few gigs kind of switching off on guitar and bass. Um, but
0: and we we'll, lost you there. but I could tell the people the other songs Cosmo Shies with they keep safe inside trade, insider trading from Jerome Parker Wells out of St. Louis, thinking of perception from a snowball's chance in hell. Annex Junius from the new Harnessians. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what that was. uh, Plus Dog Plus with Set. And finally, Why Would You Want to Leave the Room from Stephen Druck and Sam Wagster. So, is there still lanterns, Or is that over?
2: That's over for now. um, Because Ryan and Johnny are both in LA now. Um,
0: That's right. In fact, I okay. I should know. I did a, a record with Bucky Pope and the Tar Babies. Johnny Machine was on. A, he just, uh tattooing. He oh, nice. Telling me about yeah, that. Because yeah. there's a whole Chicago posse that live uh, moved out here, uh, kind of east of Pasadena.
2: Cramon, yeah, Mont, a lot of my a lot of my friends moved out there in the last you know six or seven years. We're so Je- uh, Jeff Ryan's Parker. out there and uh, Emmett Kelly and. Um, yeah, Jeff Parker, David Yao, yeah, um, yeah,
0: so uh, anyway, uh, Stevie, and Stevie, of course, but actually, Stevie, I first met in Philly,
2: okay, so yeah, he's been
0: was... around, he's you know, like a lot of people, they bounce around a little bit, uh, so um, uh, it's interesting about this, uh, doing the soundtracks for the live theater because you yeah for one thing, gotta be pretty organized, right? You have to get all this preparation together.
2: yeah, it's a lot of rehearsing for sure,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, but you had a parallel music thing going, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely the whole time. I was uh you know writing stuff kind of early on, I was doing theater stuff and writing and recording stuff on my own, kind of just getting into recording uh for the first time. Um, And then, yeah, it was kind of just like inhabiting both worlds more and more um, until about 2010 when my friend uh, Brian Torrey Scott, who was the playwright, he moved uh, to Virginia. Um, So that was kind of like uh, the end of the theater stuff for me. Um, And then I was just, uh, you know, playing in multiple bands at that time.
0: What? Like it's not your own band. You're like kind of side mouse
2: yeah um i mean the lanterns was was my own band with ryan um but yeah i was doing i was filling in a lot uh on a lot of gigs um uh i was good friends or am good friends with Emmett kelly and he was you know um on tour a lot and i would fill in for him um with like azita that's how i started playing with her yeah and uh like uh jim becker from califone and uh you know just kind of uh local stuff that was happening
0: well you, well, you had good connects. Emmett's going to be on the show coming up. Stevie hooked it, oh. that, that that up too. So, Excellent. yeah, it'd be interesting to talk with him. Yeah. Uh, so, so, what about what about this mute duo?
2: That's uh, my friend uh, Skylar Rao and I, and uh, it's pedal steel and drums, um, and uh, we met at uh, the Rainbow Club in Chicago where we were both working, and. Um, he uh, he's kind of from like a hardcore background. Um, uh, he plays in this band called Rash. That's an incredible hardcore band. Just put out a new record. Um, but he was interested in uh, free playing and getting more and more into the improv world. And he was doing on, on a lot of those gigs. And uh, he knew that I played pedal steel and was interested in and in, in doing some stuff with that. So we played uh, this improvised music series at uh, myopic books it's like a long-running series that's been going like 20 years where you play it upstairs on a monday night and it's just uh it's supposed to be people you've never played with before and it's just you know you just go for it and uh i played lap steel and he played drums and it it there was something to it so we just kind of kept doing these shows as a duo and also uh, adding other members you know we'd play with uh guitarists and bassists and horn players but we started kind of uh doing these shows as a duo and and i started writing these really kind of simple motifs to kind of improvise around um and uh so it's a lot of like free uh free drumming but with some some you know kind of skeletal melodies and a lot of kind of like uh atmosphere and drone and stuff
0: yeah really interesting. look we're at the end of the second hour December 30, 2020 edition, while Pedro Show's special guest, Sam Waxter, hold up tight for hour three. December 30, 2020, it's the third hour of the What for Pedro Show.
1: So little Time to get there Such a long Way to go But, but I, I want, want you love we used to know, know. think, think of, of me sometimes, sometimes. My, love. my love morning morning, morning. morning said day.
7: Thank you.
0: From Peter. shall we start off the third hour with Overland Line from Mutant Duo, then Crane with Cross Ocean, Fatso Jetson. That's got a Mario Lali, great cat. Uh, Monoxide Dreams, I think Vince Moroni helped. He's got his brother on his, on the base. Portugal Japan with Shadow. <laughs> it says from, from their live reunion gig. <laughs> yeah, I have to <laughs> say that shit. Okay, the new Lesser's Morning, Sad Morning. And yeah, you guessed it. People spell different both mornings, the new lessers. I think they're, uh, Polish guys. Yeah. And the father costume, c orange, that's you, that, or you're part of, right? What is the father costume?
2: That's, uh, that's my, uh, kind of outlet for songwriting. Um, with, uh, with my partner, Gillian Lise and, uh, a couple friends, Kent Lambert and Michael Harmon, but um, that's kind of my first uh, just kind of traditional pop songs um, and kind of an outlet for, you know, for that. And it's kind of kind of lyric focused and, and um, you know, just kind of like mostly like concise pop songs, um, but also kind of influenced by like uh, kind of 70s country um like Waylon and, and Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson, but kind of in an oblique way. It's kind of like a an attempt to fuse that kind of stuff with like more of like post-punk kind of sounding um, songwriting.
0: Now, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a cat on. He's, he's an England guy, but he's living in Nashville. His name is Spencer Cullen, and he's a pedal steel guy because you mentioned pedal and before we were talking lap and I want you to tell the listeners man, um, about the difference. I mean, yeah, there's a little bar that you could put on the strings, but that's about.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically lap steel, you're more or less tied to one chord shape. So you're just kind of whatever the open tuning is, usually it's like six or eight strings and the bar is just kind of moving that chord up and down the neck. Um, and you can do little slants and stuff and get different intervals, but um, the pedal steel was invented so you can basically get different voicings within that. So you're actually physically pulling the strings into into a different chord shape. Um, so you can, you know, without moving your hand, you can get, you know, a fourth chord or a minor chord or, you know, a, a dominant seventh, um, depending on how, how yours is set up. But in order to do that, it, It takes this, you know, pretty Byzantine contraption um, that has been developed, you know, since basically like the late 50s Um, and was kind of like mostly like standardized in the 70s, I would say, by uh, like Show Bud and Emmons. Um,
0: What about Sneaky Pete? um, Sneaky Pete? Yeah.
2: Yeah, he played uh, mostly like C6, I think, um, which is a kind of the less common of the two uh, pedal steel necks. Um, Most pedal steels are, you know, a double neck with C6 and E9, but E9 is probably what you hear most of the time. C6 is more like Western swing, um, has like kind of a more like uh, kind of Hawaiian sound. But he played that uh, almost exclusively and was like one of the first guys to kind of use effects and kind of take it into like a more psychedelic uh, direction.
0: And he's on some of that country rock stuff you were kind of uh, alluding to.
2: Yeah, yeah. The Burrito Brothers Burrito, The Flying
0: Burrito uh, Brothers, right? Bernie Lane. Yeah.
2: Labor. Incredible, yeah. incredible, like, traditional playing combined with, like, pretty out, um, like, sounds, you know. So, yeah, he's definitely kind of an all-time favorite.
0: The, the Cats at Cherokee knew him, and I got to meet him up in uh, – Oh, nice. Yeah, right near Fairfax High. It's, it's, like Fairfax and Melrose, the days of like fifteen hundred dollars a
2: day. <laughs> wow!
0: Can you imagine that shit? Yeah, I was doing uh, no. ball hard talk <laughs> about. Yeah, I mean, in my heart bleeds pink lemonade. You know, when I'm feeling sorry for that system. I want to play here uh more. Your father costume.
2: I would say, um, it's like one of the
0: Susan kind of
2: like, yeah, she's like kind of helped kind of usher in a new era of people who play traditional stuff, but also play free and, and do all kinds of things. You know,
0: people were talking about the pedal steel and people, uh, because there's an uptight thing amongst, uh, uh Spencer was saying the same thing about sneaky Pete a, a couple of weeks ago that like, yeah, you're a heretic. You're fuck fucking with the, yeah
2: i mean (laughs) like on the you know there's like there's the steel guitar forum which is like a, a pretty established forum where people trade ideas and 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 tips and like you know even like charts and stuff and there are definitely some guys on there who who resist like taking it out of a country context but i think most people are are interested in like the possibilities of it because it there's there's a lot that is has hasn't been done with it you know it's 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 a pretty new instrument yeah um, there's you
0: know. so much possibility with it Jesus,
2: yeah,
0: uh, I should tell the people we heard glass of ice from the father costume, Mika Levi with pain uh, Zeno Beach from the xenochronic amm all stars they invite me aboard for that <laughs> journey <laughs> and then finally, Sam Waxter with the sun return. This is your own name.
2: Yeah. And that's, uh, that's kind of uh, the newest uh, ambient recording that I've done. That's just pedal steel. Um, And I've been doing some solo shows in the last few years. And uh, I've done, um, I guess that would be like the fourth release I've done under my own name. It's kind of this more open-ended kind of ambient um, plane. It the, steel definitely lends itself to that. And um, I've been kind of exploring that and it's, it's a nice way to, to play solo. Um, so um, yeah, that one's actually not out yet, but thought it would, I just, just got it mastered. So I thought it. Well,
0: thank you for letting me have the privilege of bringing it into the world. So Sam, mm-hmm. you consider yourself a pedal steel man now?
2: Uh, yeah, I guess I do. I, I, I probably play that more than guitar at this point. Um, just cause I'm, I'm, really trying to to dig into it um and you know experimenting with it and also i'm trying to learn old tunes and learn like you know learn learn off of records and stuff um like doing some transcriptions and stuff so i'm yeah i'm kind of absorbed in that right now um but i still like play guitar and and you know um write songs what about bass what about bass uh, yeah, I play bass. Uh, <laughs> actually, in a heavy band called uh, Anatomy of Habit, that's um, kind of like industrial post punk. So it's like a, it's like one of the lo- like louder, heavier bands I've I've ever played in. And I hadn't really done anything like that in a long time. But uh, Skylar from Muto is the drummer. So we're the we're the rhythm section for that band. And oh, wow. I actually play some lap steel in that band too, like uh, the kind of dronier stuff. There was a band
0: um, in the '70s doing hard rock with a fucking pedal through a fuzz tones. And they were <laughs> called master of the airwaves. They played in Pedro. I saw him as a teenager and the legato thing. It's like, I don't know if you know, but uh, Rocky Erickson had an electric auto heart player. It's just got so much presence and sustain, you know, it's pretty, yeah, rock- yeah. it can be rocking. It can be really. Yeah, rockin'. definitely. Sam, where can people find you on the internet?
2: Um, probably the best place is, uh, on instagram uh, at the father costume so kind there's of my main no there's no hub. sam
0: wagster website no
2: no, not, not yet not, not, not yet,
0: yet but there will be
2: <laughs> um and then sam wagster Bandcamp camp is kind of my solo sure, stuff sure. but um
0: that's great that's great
2: but yeah the 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 ig is kind of the, the hub that i use for like announcing projects and gigs and stuff
0: I know, but you know that's another man's sight. Yeah, yeah, I got to get my own
2: thing going. <laughs> so for what, sure. it's,
0: what it's like is like you put up flyers on AT and T's telephone pole, <laughs> which is okay it's with true. me. It's okay with <laughs> me, and man, I love what you're doing. I, I, you know, musically. Well, thank you, man. And what, what a journey! So interesting. These different parts of your musical journey has informed where you are now. Ain't that a trip? Could you ever imagine yeah. that way back?
2: No, definitely not. No, it's like it. Just kind of keeps keeps unraveling, so I'm just you know, I'm 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 glad that uh I'm in a city that is really good for that, and you know continue to learn from amazing people. So yeah. it's, you know, it's been you, it's you been should, good. You
0: should tell people what what's the URL for that forum with the pedal steel.
2: Oh, it's uh it's just the steel guitar forum dot I think it's dot net.
0: steel guitar forum dot net people because. I, like you said, it's a, it's a new instrument, and it's growing. And you're one of the fucking pioneers, brother.
2: Well, thank you, man. I, <laughs> I really appreciate that.
0: Okay. This Spencer cat, too, is good that was on the show. I, I, I've always been amazed by that. I don't know. Uh, but but thanks. So a big honor to have you aboard. People, it's been the December um, 30, 2020 edition. WAP Peter Show. Keep your powder dry.